0: Hey everybody, I'm Rob, and welcome to the House of X Book Club, where we read books about our favorite mutants and share our feelings about uh, what we've read, beginning with 1963's X-Men number one. Uh, Before we get into it, though, I want to say we're starting a mosh pit for that intro music, man. That's pretty cool. Uh, At any rate, I am joined with the esteemed members of the Quiet Council. to my, this is funny. To my, to my left, to my right is uh, Drew. How's it going?
1: Good. Glad to be back.
2: Nice. And of course, we have Shane. I've decided to quit the Quiet Council and start my own Whispering Consortium. Oh. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. You can go sit in the corner then. Um, and then, <laughs> and of course, with us also we have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Hello. So, um, we are going to be reading a couple of, we're going to be talking about a couple of books that we read, uh, X-Men issues 15 and 16. Um, but before we really get into it, just, what did you guys think? Did you, uh, how'd you feel about these two?
2: There were some definite ups and downs, just as usual. I've been... Mm-hmm. I was really happy with some stuff in these two issues, and I was really disappointed in a couple of things as well.
1: That about sums it up for me, too. I thought the art's getting a lot better, and I thought they they did some new and interesting things as far as power sets, but mm, there's a lot of things that I'm sure we'll get into as we get to them that kind of
3: mm-hmm.
4: rubbed
1: me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. How about you, Rowan?
3: Well um basically what kind of feel the same way um about the art and um though my biggest notes um are a little bit more uh story uh specific um i wrote hank is sexist as fuck
4: yeah and
3: (laughs) why doesn't professor x astral project more rather than occupying minds
1: hadn't Um, thought of that that is a very good point that is so good
0: well we were definitely going to be talking about that stuff um so let's get into it i suppose x-men number 15 was released october 5th 1965 Uh, of course the cover date as we talked about before is in december Uh, the credits are we have writing stan lee jack kirby on the layouts not the full pencils but the layouts uh, pencils were by Jay Gavin, a.k.a. Werner Roth. Inks were from Dick Ayers, lettering from Artie Simic, and Stanley was the editor. Now the cover, uh, this X-Men number 15, there's a lot of excitement. You got Professor X in the background holding his head because, of course, he's
2: constipated.
0: You know, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> he is having a hard time but you've got the x-men fighting these sentinels at the sentinel base and the beast on a slab and it says the origin of the beast um now i actually really dig this cover and it, it's interesting because the cover is fully penciled by jack kirby with inks by dick airs and lettering by sam rosen but it's i don't know it's pretty cool i i actually like this look of the sentinels you know it's Kind of, kind of nostalgic, and, and it's not what we know of the Sentinels to look like today, but I don't know. They look like a formidable foe.
2: That one doesn't look like he knows how to throw a punch. Well, that's true. <laughs> is that what he's doing? Either that or he's about to ingratiate Cyclops with the world's biggest hand job.
4: <laughs> oh.
2: He's got him bent back in a very suggestive pose, and that hand is coming in towards the crotch.
0: Yeah, it looked like he was going to do something with that elbow, I was thinking. So anyway, the, generally the story is—it's con- continued from the last issue. Uh, the X-Men go after the Sentinels to save Trask, of all people, and to stop the robots from committing genocide, because these guys now have a mind of their own and are take, you know bent on taking over, killing all the mutants and uh, ruling the humans, because obviously they can't do it themselves. Um, so they, the X-Men go back to Sentinel's base— where Master Mold waits, and uh, he actually has Trask doing his bidding. He's got Trask, Trask kind of being a little, a little slave to him, um, which is weird because I always understood Master Mold to be the machine that could create other Sentinels. But he keeps telling Trask that he needs to create the Sentinels for him, and I don't understand what that means.
2: I think that that's something that developed after. Mm-hmm. Like so, he's able to do it now, but he wasn't necessarily able to do it when he was first built. What is his purpose then? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I forgot, when I was reading it, it was the way that I interpreted it in my head, having really no foresight into this at all. Just I was coming into this fresh. It was basically like um, Trask physically creates the Sentinels, but Master Mold is essentially in charge of programming them. Was what okay. I got. Like Trask was the hardware, and Master Mold was the software.
3: Gotcha. And they are really there's like a very very rigid hierarchy to the sentinels, and once they're in place, and Master Mold is basically at the top of the sentinels as far as the sentinels are concerned. What's once, once they're built, but they have to ha- Trask has to sort of initiate the building. Yeah. Of the sentinels. Yeah. Well, so so yeah, pretty interesting. So,
2: so that means that Master Mold is actually Denis Nedry, and Trask <laughs> is Samuel Jackson.
0: One thing I found interesting about this issue is, you know, the X-Men, of course, go to rescue Trask and to fight the Sentinels. Um, but they get hung up outside because the base has all these defenses. Yeah, and this
2: is really weird.
0: Yeah, yeah. it like, it. like There's a trap door that opens up and these guns come out and start shooting. And then they have this device that basically makes the ground move so they can't stand on it and they get all weird and wobbly. But it, it seems effective to, like, keep the X-Men at
2: bay. But here's the thing: is like at some point they mention how many Sentinels there are that they have mm-hmm. to fight, and there are no Sentinels. None. They're just yeah. fighting this weird. This it just like the first half of this issue reminds me of, um, School Days. Does anybody remember that movie? Besides oh, me, oh, barely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at one point in School Days, they go to a football game, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're at the football game, and everybody's having a good time, and. They never show a second of the football game.
3: Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the point. That's Shane. right. Point. <laughs>
0: so fighting the Sentinels and the sentinel, Seminal sentinel issue is not the point. Um, beast and Iceman get caught. And Master Mold has Trask with this device on the Beast that basically... It's like a truth serum almost it, it it gives it makes him just tell everything about himself and luckily the beast is long-winded and has uses a lot of big words that take a long time to speak because he's not really giving up anything that master mold wants to know but he's starting back to his origin which really isn't much of an origin you know he was a kid growing up he had big feet he played football One day Xavier came to his house and said, "Hey, I'd like your kid to come to my school." And his parents are like, "Sure, let's do that." Uh, I mean, that's basically the origin beast, right? Yep, right. (laughs) And I like how it's like really big here. It's it's a grabber on the cover, you know, the origin of the beast. (laughs) Nice. Um. uh, So. So yeah, they Xavier has to get into his head from a great distance and try to like stop him from giving up too much information.
2: More questionable shenanigans from the professor.
1: Uh, Oh my
2: gosh. I I
1: have a (laughs) a lot of professor X notes for this issue. Oh my (laughs) gosh.
3: He is.
1: (sighs) One of my notes just says professor Xavier's sheer arrogance on page nine is just astounding to me. (laughs) And that's all I wrote. (laughs) And I'm looking at page nine right now and it's just like, yeah, it's just this entire page. Like, what? <laughs> no, that's, yeah, there's just, that's lots of,
2: lots of odd things. Like, like earlier on there, like that, I like the thing the the um ice glider that Bobby made. I thought that thing was really cool. But really? I thought it was clever. I didn't think it would okay. actually work, but it was like, okay, well, that's a different use of his powers. And then you go to the next page and it looks like Beast is hugging Bobby's penis. <laughs>
4: yes, as yeah. you
0: as you do when your life is in danger.
2: <laughs>
3: is that the thing that they use the?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a big disc with two it, knobs. Why
3: didn't they use Gene? Did Gene Grace telekinetic powers to move it? Like they didn't though. They used. They did some other thing. Cyclops shot the disc. Right, and it blew into the which air. didn't make sense. Like they they do shit that doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Um, because Jean Grey is a woman, and she's not strong enough to use her power to... Well,
1: I think it's because it was a giant skipping stone, and everyone knows that men skip stones better than women.
0: Oh, (laughs) that must be it. That must be it. I want to say one thing, that since we have been doing this, I've been taking notes, and I've got a section of every page entitled The Crimes of Xavier. Oh, wow.
2: (laughs) That must be a notebook already.
0: (laughs) Well, I've got a pretty good section on every... Uh, On every issue that I I write down, sometimes it's just you know, Xavier is uh, putting his his team, you know, his teen wards, his teen charges in danger. But it's very important that he not let people know he's a mutant. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, the hypocrisy of that's like half the time I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever, it kind of makes sense, but it's just. So hypocritical of him.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, What I did like in this, uh, going back to Jean, was there's a a bit where where they're all climbing up the hill. They're climbing up a cliff to get into the base. And the Beast offers her some help. And she basically tells him to step aside. She's no damsel in distress. She can do this on her own. And uh, Beast makes a comment about how he misses the good old days when women fainted at the drop of a hat
3: um (laughs) right that is when i wrote that note yeah that hank is sexist as fuck there's actually a comment about how he needed to 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 climb to to reach the 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 the, the future days or whatever if you don't start
1: climbing hank you're liable not to be around for any newer days right (laughs) right right he's just scratching his literally scratching his head
2: right I don't understand these women folk.
0: So, so yeah, uh, the Sentinels, of course, detect Xavier in, you know, his, his like psychic presence. Um, And there's a lot of talk here about how Xavier can't affect the Sentinels because they're robots. Um, And there's a lot of talk about how the robots are, are, you know, they don't have feelings. They're just robots. And yet, They all have feelings, and Xavier does manage to affect them because they have robotic minds. I don't get. I don't get it. It, There's some inconsistency in the writing for sure.
3: In the same word bubble, sometimes.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, And and we were talking about how they have hierarchy. Uh, Did you you guys notice that they're they're always talking about like section leaders and you know, gunnery gunnery specialists and and these are the sentinels like mm-hmm. some sentinels are just they're they're trained to fire the guns at the x-men while they're trying to get into the base which i think is silly because why would they just fly out there and use the blasters in their hands but anyway
1: <laughs> maybe they don't have them yet i don't know
0: yeah um i do like the coloring here i gotta say
1: Uh, yeah
2: i do quite i do one of the things like after our conversation in the last episode about the difference in colors mm -hmm. is i do wonder like how you know what the difference in coloring is you know from what we're reading versus the original artwork well we could talk to drew about that
1: yeah and my my scans that i have for this one they are they're they're the same as what you are seeing oh okay um which is just—it's like um, the scans I have for a couple of these issues seem to have been scanned out of an omnibus of some right. sort, and so the coloration is not the original coloring. Although it is a lot cleaner and sharper and easier to read, it's just not quite as classic and fun.
2: I don't know. That was weird. How these cre—these the the Sentinels are supposed to be super like this this next level robot that is going to eradicate the human race and they talk like a a combination between tonto and frankenstein
0: yeah they and they they definitely seem to have their own personalities and their own feelings i mean it, it, the emotion goes into that converse into that that language you know it's yeah um sentinels are yeah i've gotten in my notes here sentinels are supposed to be emotionless robots but exactly but that Xavier cannot use his mental powers on but a couple things happen one the sentinels are way too emotional <laughs> and two professor x ends up causing them great pain and knocking them out using a mental uh, like some kind of mental blast so <laughs> so i just i don't get this uh it, it, this is one of my i mean i love this issue and i love the whole the whole sentinel story because it really leads into what we end up later feeling is like Good the issues. sentinels yeah the mm-hmm. sentinels are badass later and they're we dread them you know the reader dreads the sentinels
2: right you talked about um this is the beast's origin story and so we're kind of we're you know as as we're as we're going through it it's like he got his powers from being exposed uh atomic his parents atomic exposure mm-hmm. and it and that's how Professor X got his powers. And, and just like, are these people at the base, like, just like, they, at these scientific research projects, like, ah, oh, what, really interested in working with the, you know, nuclear, nuclear um, power. And I would like to expose my genitals to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, It's what, uh, I I
0: bumped into... A book, a comic I hadn't read last night. I bumped into it. I hadn't, I hadn't read before, and I, I, I see this story. I think it's um, might be called Marvel Origins: The Beast, uh huh, X- and or X Men Origins: The Beast. At any rate, But I, I really could not get into the book because the art's way too cartoony and the dialogue's pretty silly. But the Beast, as it turns out, in this particular story that I read was raised on a farm in the Midwest and his parents were farmers. And
2: that explains you know, the misogyny.
0: He was, he was born with huge feet and uh, huge hands. And, you know, he talks to his dad and it's like, Hey, why am I so different? And his dad's like, well, son, back in the day, I wasn't always a farmer. I worked at a nuclear power plant and, uh, you know, <laughs> it gets, it, I don't know it gets it gets pretty cheesy but it it it, it seems to me that it was a bit of a an origin that that not that we didn't know but just didn't exist before this like Hank's parents weren't living on a farm when he went to uh, you know when he went to Xavier's it was I I don't know to each their own i guess they they the stories have changed over the years and there's all kinds of retcons if anything X-Men's the biggest you know retconned book in in the marvel uh in the marvel basket so
1: yeah i just don't feel like there's any sort of origin stories that really is anything other than like oh these kids are different now they go to professor xavier's school
4: So, i
3: the it's interesting that they don't just allow the mutation to exist without using the radiation as an excuse
0: well, that was big. That was big. It was uh, yes, that we I know were
3: it doing. was the it was it was part of our sort of collective anxiety about the effects of radiation and the atomic age and all that stuff. And so it makes sense that you would ex- that it exists at all that it ever came up. that makes sense, but that that mutation would just exist at all and that it that that would even that it would the anxiety of it being a mystery ever would be a thing.
4: Mm-hmm. Why can't
3: that be a thing? You know, that it, just every single, every single uh, mutant's parents were exposed to radiation, every single one, you know, it, you know, when we get their origin story, oh. it just so happens, you know,
0: I know my, I know mine were. that's the only ex- explanation. <laughs> I, <had.
3: laughs> I know, sweetie.
0: I
2: know.
4: Well,
2: <laughs> yeah. So, I guess, I guess to, I guess to be fair, like you said, that we're not that far removed from the Cuban Missile Crisis, too. Right, right, right. At this right. point, so it's it's not entirely impossible that that was like, you know, we're all gonna glow in the dark. Everybody's got to look out, you know, for the atomic boogeyman. But I mean, to have everyone's origin be identical. Yeah, right. my my dad's junk got exposed to the radions and now I'm
1: got big feet and can Well, fart. even to an extent Spider Man, because he was bitten by a radioactive spider. Right. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. So so this is this is funny, okay. I think everybody's heard it. Uh Stan Lee said that when he created the X Men, he was like, All right, well, everybody that we have at Marvel got their powers by some kind of scientific experiment or some kind of accident, you know, scientific accident. And he's like, what if they were just born with their powers? Well, that's great, Stan, but obviously they were born with their powers because their parents were exposed to some sort of <laughs> radioactive accident, you know?
1: Because their parents had a scientific <laughs> accident. Exactly. <Yeah.
0: laughs> so, uh, what do what you guys, what else do you have to say about this issue?
2: Um, I mean... I did wonder what exactly sharp thought particles are.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> if it's what is it? Where where does he say that he's going to blast the? Um, he's going to blast one of the sentinels with his sharp thought particles. Uh
0: huh.
2: And I'm like, well, what the hell is that? <laughs> are you just you're just <laughs> making shit up now? Right. It, well, yeah.
0: Like like I said, he. He says that he can't control the mechanical brain of a sentinel, but in the same breath, he says, if I blank out their minds, I can nullify their weapons. What does that mean then, Charles? I mean, really? <laughs> magnetism. I, I think magnetism. Uh, magnetism, of
4: course. <laughs> yeah. But, there oh, was...
2: And then, and then on, on this one, on page, on, what is this, page 18, how does the uh-huh. electric blast affect his astral form?
0: Well, that is pure... Yeah, that's pure science, <laughs> man. Um, <laughs> the the electromagnetic... Uh, I, I, I can't get into it, Shane.
2: From it really my heart hard, and from my hands, why <laughs> don't people understand my microelectric blasts? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right. Weird science. Um, <laughs> that actually didn't... That didn't make me scratch my head. I mean, I I... You know... Magnetism, magnetic waves, electric electricity can can affect all sorts of weird shit. You know, it can make you.
3: Well, I suppose there's this idea that brain brain waves are a thing. If you can make something that affects brain waves, then you could affect the astral projection, perhaps.
0: Okay.
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, it, and it, Rowan, Rowan is our expert on the subject. We're gonna. We're going to call it
1: (laughs) there was the one there. I did have one more positive note just. uh, It was again on page nine, the whole arrogant uh, Professor Xavier page. But Mm -hmm. Professor Xavier, I don't remember why he says this. I guess something was shooting fireballs at Angel. But then Professor X says to Angel, Unfortunately, your wings are not made of asbestos. And that just made me laugh. <laughs> uh-huh. Just because we're in the future now and we know right. all about asbestos. And right. it's like, yeah, it's just so unfortunate. Your wings aren't made of asbestos, Angel. I'm so sorry.
0: Right.
1: Yeah.
3: oh
0: The whole story it really ends. Um well, oh, I do want to bring up before we move on to the next issue that. Uh, Oliver Trask is looking wrecked. <laughs> He's losing weight. He's not feeling good. He doesn't brush his hair anymore. And at the end of the pay, at the end of the story on the last panel, looks like they are just going to rip his arms off his body. He looks so messed up.
2: Yeah. They're dead. Yeah. This, it, this whole, this two issue run has not been kind to the man.
1: It yeah. isn't this issue that taking place the same in, in, Canon Day as the last issue. Yes, yes. In this all one day. Yeah, <laughs> so he, yeah. Okay, he's just <laughs> starved himself in a day. That's fine.
0: I I think he's just emotionally, you know, distraught. He's uh, he's having a rough time you know
2: (laughs) i mean i can take out an ad the sentinel diet the stress of talking to the sentinels will get you to lose 150 pounds in two hours
0: (laughs) i mean if you look at him it's like his shirt's untucked his tie's loose his hair's messed up this is not the famous anthropologist that we once knew um
3: (laughs) robot building anthropologist
0: yeah uh who apparently got it wrong because the sentinels are like nope you're working for us now and and they're telling him what to do and telling him that he's going to help them so that they can take over the world. And I start to get a little, I start to feel a little sympathy for this Bolivar Trask guy.
1: Honestly, um, I did too. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, and I mean, we'll talk about him in the next, you know, in the next issue. So I don't want to go too far in it, but it, it got me wondering. I I was asking some questions, uh, Asking myself these questions about Bolivar Trask, and like I said, I'll pose them. pose them later on. But the the last panel in the book says, next issue, you'll actually witness the creation of a sentinel. Y- y- that's sweet. Like It's like a life. Uh, as well as one of the most thrilling story endings you've ever gasped at. You'll see the X-Men menaced by Trask's unhuman creations on the one hand and their own inherent weakness on the other. Even if you're not a mutant, you mustn't miss it. Enough said
2: witness the creation of a sentinel when Master Mold and Bolivar Trask love each other very <laughs> much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's sweet. <laughs> they go into their private chamber.
1: <laughs> um, I kind of have a random Marvel question that mm-hmm. this issue made me think of. Did Jack Kirby also create Galactus or uh, uh, yes. Jack Kirby or yeah, Stanley? Because Master Mold looks very much like Galactus to me.
0: Mm-mm. that's Kirby style that's yeah you know, it's the the helmet and the the the, the clothing
1: style the big yeah and, that's very true
2: i mean look yeah you can look at the new gods and the eternals mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of those characters all have a very similar dress code i guess yeah. you could say
1: they all shop at the same store yeah they have
3: the same tailor
1: all right. well,
0: <clears throat> so I got to ask you guys,, uh, I, you know we kind of talked about it before, but i want to I want to hear again. How did you feel about it? Thumbs up. Are you glad you read it?
2: Well, for me, I felt like the plot was great, but uh, with what I'm realizing is my issue, my problem with most Jack Kirby, and Stan Lee collaborations is the plot is great and the
1: script is not for me. I wouldn't give this um, issue either a thumbs up or a thumbs down, but I think it was it was a very good middle issue of a trilogy. Like it got everything across that it needed to, but it didn't it didn't take away from the from the tr- trilogy that is this arc. So it was <laughs> it was neither here nor there for me. It was it wasn't as good as the previous issue, but I it was okay.
2: okay. It wasn't no Godfather 2, I'll tell you that goddamn much right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay. That, I, <clears throat> I'll have to agree. Um, so going into the next issue, we'll figure out what the Corleones are doing. Um, but I, I, I do want to say that I didn't like this as much as the first issue, the first story either, the first part of the story. Mm. Um, and I didn't yes. like it as much as the third part of the story. What I do want to say, what I did like about it, I liked the art and I did like the writing, but in the way that it's, it's nostalgic to me. It's, this is obviously writing and art from the sixties. You know, if, if this book was put out like this in 1995, I would have wiped my ass with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you
1: know literally God, this would not this would not have seen the light of day in the 90s with yeah that shit going on but but this is
0: a book of the 60s and it's it's i think it's kind of i think it's cool i like the the humor in it um obviously there's uh, like you said the misogyny and the sexism and and, and that kind of stuff which isn't cool
2: yeah no rob really enjoyed the misogyny and sexism
0: <laughs> yeah. um but, but oh, I no, did... that might
3: have fit in in the 90s
0: yeah right <laughs> jean gray would be wearing a lot less if this were the 90s um and so would master mold
1: god x-men costumes in the 90s i've not thought about that and i don't know if i want to
4: <laughs>
0: however bobby probably would have been wearing some pants um so
1: <laughs> and and uh and a, and a collared leather jacket like a high collar that's right flipped up. styling and sunglasses uh, shall mm-hmm. we go into
0: issue number 16 yeah yeah um, okay <laughs> issue 16 was released uh, in november so the books are now monthly which they didn't used to be so it was released november 4th 1965. Uh, the credits are stanley writing again we have jack kirby on the layouts jay gavin aka werner roth on pencils dick airs inking Artie simic lettering um again we've got
1: the cover art
2: you know this one has the the subtitle of x-men the supreme sacrifice
1: yeah that's that's what this was i was a little worried
2: (laughs) that 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 there was going to be a a guest appearance and florence ballard was going to get the axe right in the middle of the book or something
0: (laughs) uh but the cover i again i gotta say i enjoy the cover it it feels like a science fiction uh You know, this science fiction epic. You've got this giant master mole with all the X-Men flying right up between
1: his legs. Um, Yeah, that's a fortunate position for Bobby's ice slide.
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. But it's
0: cool. I mean, look at the machines that he's got at his hands. You know, he's, he's... Anyway, I like it. I like the perspective. And I like the coloring, too, on the cover.
2: Yeah, not only is the unfortunate positioning for Bobby's ice slide... It's an unfortunate drawing of Bobby's ice slide because, one, that's (laughs) not normally what it looks like, and two, what it looks like coming from where it's coming from is not the business, Right. right? Yeah, and and my 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 action, but my I mean that's that is what it is. Like we we know that they were you know, when everyone's like, you know, all the, you know, all the art style of the early sixties of comics was great. It was like, well, yeah, there were four people drawing 700 books. <laughs> it, it all,
4: it
2: so it was, but the, um, I don't understand. Like, I think that there was a thought process that may have gotten missed. Cause why is Cyclops climbing master mold when he is a ranged, a way range, right? fighter. Hmm all of his powers he can do from a, a mal- good well, ways
0: away there okay now no- now i i am going to say that you're assuming he's climbing up master mold's leg maybe he was in master mold's lap and he's climbing down
2: oh <laughs> he took he took his turn with santa now he's letting iceman go yeah.
0: <laughs> master mold's reaching out to grab him maybe he's like dropping off his knee and saying uh-uh, i'm out of here
2: <laughs> i suppose that is possible <laughs>
0: Um, so, so yeah, let's get
2: into it. The story, uh, Shane, could you recap the story for us? Um, and this one is that continues the, this, the, the tale of the, this is part three of the trilogy of the X-Men fighting the Sentinels for the first time. And in this tale, we see that we see featured where Professor X mind controls a couple of randos Uh. as they drive by (laughs) and... (laughs) <laughs> and and you know which which when we were talking about the last issue maybe everyone thinks that their origin is like professor x's because he mind wipes them so often right. that right. he is bleeding over into everyone else's subconscious
0: oh that is a great thing to think about so what if the professor using his powers to mind wipe people is giving, is creating some sort of residual spillover.
3: Like false memories. Yeah. They memories. all have false memories.
2: Ugh.
0: Oh, that's, that's got to affect them. That's, that's so how, cool.
2: That's how, that's how I can watch the original Wolverine movie more than once. Mm hmm. As is I, I i don't look at it i don't look at it it's like this is canon i don't look at that movie as like this is canon this is part of what happened in the x-men universe i'm like this is what happened after wolverine got shot in the head with the adamantium bullet <laughs> this is what he thinks his life was now yeah this but, is
0: how he remembers deadpool
2: yes because he got <laughs> shot in the head with an adamantium bullet, and this is how he remembers things. Yeah,
1: what if that movie was all just literally a fever dream for him?
2: Yes, it, like that's... Yeah, that's... exactly. Now, you could go back and watch it again, and it has completely different meaning, when you're like, oh, oh this I is just it's... his fucked-up memories.
0: Yeah, I bet it's great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, yeah, uh, then the Sentinels put the X-Men in the salad shooter. Wackiness ensues. This is, like, the basis for every 80s teen movie that ever was written because they're just like nothing works let's try something even weirder (laughs) master master mold continues to act like magneto and everyone must fear me and my finger rays and i'm going (laughs) to blow up a town somewhat adjacent to where we are if trask does not do what i want but then Professor X realizes that the crystal in the clock tower is blocking Master Mold's control of one of the sentinels. Shirley McLean has got to be so happy that this worked.
4: Well,
0: <laughs> well, I don't think she even got into this stuff until like probably another 20 years. But but okay, I have a question about that you guys. Which the, part? <laughs> the Chris, the Fairly <laughs> McLean part. Now the uh, the clock tower, the, the crystal, oh, right? God. It blocks the signal to the to the ma- to the sentinel that's still at the TV station, mm-hmm. and so the sentinel falls down. Okay. When Xavier realizes that 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 is what happened, he's like, "Let's take that crystal to the base." Okay.
3: And they just go along with that.
0: Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. Because mind control but
2: <sighs> yeah
3: that's they're true, not, that's true. They're mind not, control they're that's not true. doing
2: it on their own he's just yeah
3: he's mind controlling them but fucker.
0: but my question is nobody cares about the sentinel that's laying down who'll probably right? get up and start wrecking shop once they remove that crystal
1: <laughs> my question <laughs> well, is if it affected this particular sentinel why did it affect the other four that were in the studio It was a cloud if something I don't know, just like <laughs> massive, just days sex mocking at work. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it worked for the plot. It it, it didn't work for me at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. it
0: worked for the plot, but not for Drew. <laughs> no, I
1: just I I hate stuff like that. It's just like, oh, and here we turn to our left, and there's the magic key. Hooray! Everything's saved. Like, where's the where's the suspense in that? Where's the where's the payoff at the end? Where you know, you you can't just throw a puzzle at somebody and then just hand them like the whole thing at the end and be like, oh you did it. I'm like, no, you didn't. You didn't do it at all. Yes. Stupid Xavier. That's right. Mind <laughs> but, control.
2: Yeah. I mean the way they break out is kinda kinda clever. The X Men breaking out of the the, the magno it's, it's
0: a gravity globe.
2: The gravity globe. That's fine. Okay. But yeah, them like, you know, the holding and and prepping an action and all that and getting ready to attack as soon as as things you know pop off i thought that that was really clever um but the (laughs) but yeah so somehow they but we back to the crystal is that somehow they they tie it tie it off to a couple of helicopters and lift it out of the terminal Mm -hmm. and then hold it in between the signal from master mold and the sentinel until they get the crystal to the base, which mm-hmm. I don't know how that would work It once the Sentinel is out of sight. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, how can they even tell where the crystal is?
4: Uh,
0: but- you know, we love the X-Men, obviously, or we wouldn't be reading these books, um, but I'm going to put out there right now, the writing and the art is getting better with every issue.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was funny before we before we started recording i was talking to shane i was like i actually am enjoying reading these i'm having fun reading these yeah but all my notes are negative (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: i can relate to that i can yeah
2: well i mean and part of it is it's like it it's that you know based on like when you started reading with it was the characters were far more complex and writing had changed and you know just it had it had been twenty years for yeah. me. Yeah, so I started reading them in the eighties, and yeah. well, I started to say it, I, exactly that when I
0: started reading the X Men. The X Men lived in Australia. What? <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> they lived in Australia, and they were supposed to be dead. TV cameras and electronics couldn't pick up their presence, and they would teleport to New York to do good deeds.
2: Yeah and it was just they would they lived they lived in a in a base of the it was the the base of the former minions of the hellfire club the reavers yeah the reavers and who are all cyborgs now who come back and kick the shit out of the x-men
0: yeah (laughs) yeah they're all pissed off because wolverine cut them up yep um but yeah you're right That, that those were complex characters complex stories and in fact, so complex that we're still trying to recover from them. Um, <laughs> yep. Don't get me wrong. We complained like crazy about Chris Claremont's uh, plot holes, but or untied threads. You know, he left a lot of loose ends, um, but we loved his writing and, yeah. and it was definitely complex and definitely interesting. And it kept us buying every issue. Um
2: I will say that, so I did go back I, a, a while ago and I started reading from Giant Size X-Men number one. I was, so I was rereading two series at the same time. I was yeah. rereading Giant Size X-Men number one and the, from X-Men from Giant Size X-Men number one, I should say, and the um, Peter David Incredible Hulk run. Mm-hmm. And that. the Peter David Incredible Hulk run stands the test of time much better than the early- issues of the Uncanny X-Men.
0: Even the, even the bit with... Uh, oh, yeah, because he did it for quite a while. He, yeah, did he did it even long before McFarlane. Oh, gosh. um, Let's see.
2: He he was at 324. He did Spider-Man? Yeah, okay. 324 was his first issue as the writer. That was where the Hulk went from green to gray. And he, so he was a little bit... You know, he was smarter, but not as strong. Mm-hmm. And... A uh, little devious.
0: That Joe Fix-It stuff where the Hulk plays a a leg breaker in Las Vegas.
2: That's amazing. Uh, it's I loved it. Fantastic. Yeah. And he had he
0: had he had women. He had like girls on, on each arm. It was yep. crazy. Yeah. And
2: not only and <laughs> the just... Hulk
3: smash is what yeah, you're telling yeah, yeah, me. You
2: <laughs> I love what what I loved was the fact that the, the subtle changes in that book is when he became Joe Fix It, that was after the big gamma blast in issue 345. <laughs> and he's, so when he became Joe Fix It, it was the Hulk. It wasn't Bruce Banner would turn into the Hulk at night. It was that the Hulk would turn into Bruce Banner during the day. <laughs> That's like, it sounds weird and it's hard to explain, but, but, the Hulk would be the main was the main consciousness and he would be awake and out doing stuff and then he would turn into Banner and sleep all day.
4: Yep.
0: Yeah. And and that is how interesting the writing got twenty years after what we're reading now.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well that, that to and to put it in a more modern perspective, the fact that we're the comic book movies that are coming out are a lot of it's based off the eighties comics. Yeah. yeah. None of it's based off the 60s comics, except for maybe X-Men First Class, but that movie was terrible.
2: <laughs> what? I don't think you watched the same movie that I did, sir. <laughs> yep.
1: Did not like it. But
2: this, but but the, I mean, you know, at least it's nice to know that that some of the stuff will still carry over. Because here we are, it's the... It is the um, 60th anniversary of the X Men this year, right? Right. Yeah. And Professor X, still a dick. Still a
0: dick. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm really glad that I'm not the only one. I mentioned having my list of crimes of Xavier, and I'm keeping files. At some point, I'm going to release an entire notebook of just the various. things That, that is done awesome. Wrong. Um, but <laughs> uh, I listened to a podcast called the ex-wife podcast and it's basically a guy trying to get his wife to read the x-men and what's going on is they're looking at the books and he's telling her what's happening while she's looking at the art and she's very excited and very enthusiastic um uh, but one thing that she said that like just made me cheer was she's like boy he's he's horrible and i'm like (laughs) yeah and the husband says actually he he's a creep. He really is. He manipulates people with his mind. He, you know, it's, it's, you know, he mind controls them to get to, you know, get them to do things for him. Uh, He is, he's not a good person. And then of course, later as the writing gets more complex, what, what we read, um, you know, he, he's part of the Illuminati, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he, he has like a secret, group of X Men that nobody else knows about, <laughs> you know.
1: Does he a, have a secret group ne- right now though in our in our stories or is that is that later?
2: Uh, well the later. quiet count in our yeah, in our current stories that we're currently
1: reading, mm-hmm. no.
0: Yeah, right. It it doesn't happen until around giant size X Men number one.
1: Yeah, I knew it happened. Spoilers. I just and that's Spoilers. that's one thing that I've kind of had in the back of my mind as I'm reading this because I know you know, I have I have read the X-Force comics, you know, the recent one. Um, mm-hmm. or, or, uh, God, what was that? Anyway, or, it was good. But uh, so I know there's other X-Men teams. I know some are more secretive and and, and yeah. some are more public and some are kind of in the middle and some are in different cities. So the whole time in the back of my head, I've always kind of thought like, well, what's, what is Professor Xavier doing that the, these five kids don't know about? Like what's going on in the background here? Yeah.
0: Well there are some theories he has a porn room but um <laughs> that's that's not a theory. <laughs> yeah oh yeah. Next dungeon for sure. <laughs> um I, I want to point out some of the artwork. Uh this is page 4 and yeah. the first panel on page 4 is this this room where the the sentinels have brought the x men in this like fishbowl thing. Uh I think this art this panel is really cool. I I mean I think that, you know, the Sentinels are working as hard as their their little <laughs> Oompa Loompas selves. They're, you know, they there's all this machinery around them. The X-Men are, are trapped in this glass bubble. Um, Cyclops can't get out. He's blasting it. This is also really cool. The artwork where Cyclops is trying to get out and he's tiring himself out. He's exhausting himself. It, it It's more than just like a stiff cyclops shooting his power beam there's there's like body language here and there's um you know his face even though there's not much to it 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 to me it it looks like he's resigning to failure you know i can't get through i'm failing i I failed the wall isn't glass but it's some impregnable impregnable substance he just looks i don't know i like the art here i like the composition of the figure everything's cool
2: I do like it, but I also see like I feel like in the, the the previous panel you showed where they're all in the big salad shooter. Yeah. Um they I feel like they they drew the hump in the middle of the the gravity bowl to so because they couldn't figure out how to make Angel lay on the bottom. He's like oh, no just that, put a hump in the middle. That thing, yeah. <laughs> Give it a nipple. nipple. I know, but at least,
3: but it doesn't look, um, I mean, he looks like he's laying on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything looks correct, I guess. You know what I mean? Sometimes art will look, people or things will look awkward because maybe the artist doesn't know what to do and they don't. And it'll be drawn almost like they don't know what to do. Whereas that at <laughs> least looks like here's a machine. Here is a a, a a a a device that they're imprisoned inside of, mm-hmm. and they're inside of it. And it looks it looks correct, and it doesn't look like oh we don't really know what to do. It doesn't look like they don't know what to do. I
0: I would be interested in hearing what Jack Kirby felt this thing did, or how it worked, or how they got in there. You know what I mean? Like, how do you let them out? What does that thing do? What is that hump there? What do, you know, uh, e- well, I don't know. Either he had it in his mind that this is how this thing works and that's because of this. Or he was like, I don't know.
3: <laughs> right. Know? It was kind of drawn, but.
0: I have no idea.
3: <laughs> like, I, I do feel like some of the sentinel positions and stuff, like sometimes the way that they're drawn, maybe Jack Kirby was wanting to. Showcase their bodies a certain way. Mm -hmm. Maybe he didn't really know how to draw to make them look like they were punching. Like maybe you know he couldn't really tell what what it was. Was it can you not draw them? It looks doing certain things, or did you just want to show certain parts of their bodies?
0: Yeah, it looks like he's holding Jean's hand. You know, they're all Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're all like fading. They're all in in dire straits, and he looks like he's holding Jean's hand because you know they're Mm -hmm, dating. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But Shane might be right if you look at how he would lay without that hump, it might be hard to draw because of the shape of the globe because of his wings.
3: Right. Maybe, but at least it, I, but I'm just saying it doesn't, it looks, it doesn't look like, Oh, what the hell do I do?
0: Yeah. Well, um going through more of the artwork. There's some more interesting, uh, you know horrible
2: um, Iceman. Horrible,
3: horrible Right, Iceman. right.
0: It's yeah. a comment in my that. notes. It's a comment in my notes that I have really been liking um Werner Roth's artwork in this issue, except I think he is horrible at drawing Iceman. Uh you know, just, just terrible. But I, uh, I'm
2: I'm amazed that he looks different in every panel and he every... looks it, it looks like a different person in every panel. And it it's, it's some shitty person that is, is there something wrong with him? Yeah,
1: yeah. He on the in the middle panel on page five, uh, middle left. He just kind of looks like an ice version of the thing from Fantastic Four.
0: That one there. Um, yeah. Let's see that one.
1: Interesting. He looks like Ben Grimm to me. And that's, Big that, and blocking.
2: Yeah, and then the next panel, he looks like Johnny Storm. Michelin man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, maybe, yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I do like his facial expressions, though. I will give him credit for the facial expressions. Yeah. Like, because you do really feel what he's trying to, you, you you get a feeling for what he's trying to feel, uh, get across that Iceman is feeling. But yeah.
3: This is still better than the very first issues with Iceman.
2: Well, the snowman right. thing was just weird. Yeah. It, it was I just was like, terrible.
0: I know that that upset you, Shane. It really upset you. <laughs>
2: well, just that the the faceless iceman was creepy. And you then called when, it his oatmeal look. His oatmeal look, yeah. And when he and then when he got facial features, it was worse. Yeah. It's like his <laughs> it became like an endless void inside of a snowball. Oh. It was like some sort of <laughs> some sort of eldritch horror hollowed out a snowball and built its home in there. And every time you look in there, you can see the universe. Yeah. Poor
4: guy.
0: <laughs> so page six, Um, I like the art on page six. Uh, I like that. It's busy. I like that. There are all these sentinels doing their biz, carrying the beast on a slab. Cause they're going to, they're going to go put them in the hole with the rest of the X-Men and maybe just dis- maybe torture them or kill them later. And then of course there's, our friend Bolivar Trask looking even more wrecked because by the minute he is just wasting away to nothing. Um, but I think it's, let's see on the, this, the first panel he's standing there, you get a, a long shot of him. So you don't really get to see him. Um, but there's a, there's a panel up close and, you know, master mold tells him to silence. And though you created us, you are merely human. You too must obey. And well, Bol- Bolivar Trask look at that he's just he's thrashed and this is what i like about it is there is actually a progression to the consequences here bolivar is looking tore up none of the other x-men are and they've been beaten to death
2: practically but but (laughs) but bolivar is just thrashed. i don't know i don't know the one thing i did notice and it it bothered me for a while and i couldn't put my finger on it was master mold's hat keeps changing oh does it yeah, I feel like because before it was red and oh was, mm-hmm. but now it looks like he's about to run run to the front door and and open a peephole and and tell Dorothy and the Tin Man that that's a yeah. horse of a different color.
4: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, the one thing
1: about the art that I didn't like in this issue, even though especially on this page is a good indication of it and it it is very well done. Uh, the art itself is good. But if you look at the main panel on this page, you can see how much bigger the Sentinels are than Trask Right, or The than scale Beast. is wrong. But yeah. then if you go back to page four, where they're inside the little gravity globe, like they're, the Sentinels are the same size as the rest of the X Men. Uh, yeah. Like, and the, that yeah, happens a different. lot throughout this issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's what mm-hmm. I
2: call the juggernaut conundrum, where they just change size every panel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, at some point, they come out with schematics and they say that the sentinels are 15 feet tall. Um, okay, so the sentinels are 15 feet tall, and on the first panel in on page six, I can kind of see. You know, you figure Bolivar Trask is probably six feet,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that would make that sentinel that's holding him probably about 12 feet tall. Um, right. You know, so okay, I, I I can go with that. Uh, but later on. You know, as the Sentinels again become this thing that we start to dread, they are consistently large and consistently menacing. And they only get larger and more menacing with, with time.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but in the same issue, they've been different heights. And they that happen. particular panel, they are the scale. When you look at Beast, he looks tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, compared to the the Sentinels holding him.
2: Well, even if you go like a couple pages more, like page eight. Go look at Professor X um, next to the Sentinel. In the first panel, the Sentinel's head looks to be about the double the size of um, Xavier's head. Mm -hmm. The next panel, the next panel, the Sentinel's head looks to be the size of Xavier. Yeah. True.
0: Good point. Good point. Yeah, and the
1: uh, the Sentinels' feet on the last pa- or second to last panel on that page too. That's another weird.
2: Yeah, the yeah the feet are six thing. feet tall by themselves yeah. almost.
0: <laughs> I think that's awesome. <laughs> I think it's part of the fun of reading these books, really. Yeah, their shape changes. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think
1: if I like if I wasn't if I was reading these, not keeping in mind that we're going to be doing this and talking about it i don't know if i'd really notice i think it's more of one of those things that i as i'm reading it i'm nitpicking it because i know we're going to be talking about it later
4: yeah Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. sure
0: um so we're at a point where like i said Bolivar trask is getting thrashed and and this whole story is coming to a head where (laughs) the sentinels are telling him or master mold is telling him to do more and more and he is starting to to not he's like saying no i won't do it And they're like, fine, we're going to blow up the next town over, Um, you know, if you don't do what I say. And so he feels like he has to. Um, Bolivar Trask regrets everything at this point. He regrets everything. He, He regrets going on that damn talk show with Xavier and debating whether or not Sentinels were necessary, whether or not mutants were a menace. He's even looked and said, wow, these mutants are actually trying to save me. Shit. I'm kind of a kind of an ass. What do you think the future of, of the X-Men universe would be like if Oliver Trask, if they saved his life and, and he was grateful and things went on and had a happy ending for him? How would that have changed things?
2: Well, I think that the only way that they could have done that was to Um, you know, completely destroy the Sentinels and all of their, all of the, you know, all of the plans and all of the backups and to have gotten him out of there earlier. Okay.
0: Well, that's great. But so days of future past wouldn't have happened. True. But what would have happened? Because how would, how, what would he have been like? You know, he's got, he's got a son it pops up in later issues with sentinels and that guy is a total douchebag right Uh, um so and of course he blames mutants for his father's death uh spoiler everybody bolivar trask
1: dies in this issue
2: (laughs) yeah well okay did did anybody think that it was gonna be anybody other than trask
1: yeah The supreme sacrifice that's Right. right i honestly i wasn't expecting it um especially for me there was and i don't remember was this issue or the previous issue but there was an instance where Bolivar trask said that um he would rather die than see humanity enslaved or something to that effect yeah and then all of a sudden he changes his mind and is like oh no i've got i I can't die you i've got to save all these people and which is all well and good but after he did that, I wasn't I really wasn't expecting him to die. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. If but, if he uh, had been selfless the entire time. And he kind of was selfless to an extent, but like if he was like, "Oh, who cares about this next town? Just kill me." Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, he smashes the machinery and at the end of the issue, he lays dead on top of a destroyed master mold. Um, which is really it's a really interesting image um where you know he's literally like i said he's laying on monster robot that he created and the the robot is now is now destroyed and he uh he's dead i mean that's i think it's kind of cool i think no it
2: definitely was cool but now i want to ask you guys this tell me what you think do you think that they kept drawing all of the x-men at some point or another in this book in a prone position to make it look like it might be one of the X-Men that was going to die? Were they trying to foreshadow that it was somebody else that was going to die? I thought they just ah, did a very
1: poor job the entire time foreshadowing that anyone was going to die. Like if mm. they didn't say at the beginning that there was going to we were going to see the supreme sacrifice this entire time reading it until the very end, like I would not have thought someone was going to go.
3: I think they also did a poor job of making us think that maybe Beast was going to get it.
2: Well, at some point they tried to make it look like Beast and then Bobby's unconscious. He got blasted in the fire and, you know, Jean keeps, you know, dropping, the dropping drop of herself on her head.
4: Got <laughs> dropping herself on her head
2: Um, in the Gravity Bowl. Yeah. And this year in the Gravity Bowl, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Kansas City Native American team. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> um you might be right that's interesting to think about they you know the way that they keep you know they're drawing angel h- hanging kind of lumped over that that their nipple in the orb and and gene dropped in a heap and scott just kind of climbing the only one that i i mean i never really felt like any of them were going to die of course no. i know, no. know that they're not going to die but but uh you know you never feel like Xavier's is going to die because he's just out on the outskirts, mind wiping and, and mind controlling people. Controlling to do his the,
3: the police. Know. Yeah. The yes,
2: National indeed. Guard. Yeah. Well, and the
3: military. It was, yeah. It just
2: as, you know, if it wasn't the 60s, you would expect that at some point Professor X is going to try to mind control someone and they're going to have a seizure. He's and just, probably,
0: he's probably even mind controlled the next door neighbor kid to mow his lawns for him. i mean
1: i would too to be honest
0: (laughs) (laughs) there is a panel that i think is just amazing it's it's a gorgeous panel
1: What bottom panel of page 14 yes the bottom
0: panel of page 14 is glorious
1: yep yep
2: yeah every once in a while this dude just gets it right and
0: now so this panel is page wide And it's angel in the foreground with his wings spread out and literally tips of his wings touch the edge of the panel on each side. And then two X-Men on either side of him, all rushing forward into battle. It is cool. This is like a poster I would have hung on my wall as a kid, right next to Freddy Krueger. It would have, I mean, it would have looked so sweet. This is, this is a nice panel.
1: Yeah, this is, this is by far the, I think my favorite panel of any of the what are we on sixteen issues that we've read? Basically what
0: happens is Trask ain't taking it no more. He blows up the machine. Um, you know, Xavier swoops in with his little crystal and uh saves the day. On the last page of this issue says is the end, there's a shadowy figure outside the walls of the X mansion. But no victory is ever truly complete. Even now, as the weary X-Men prepare to return to their headquarters, their headquarters building, none can suspect the shadow of menace that awaits them. the most unexpected menace of all uh, as we shall see next issue. no Fed um, so no spoilers, but did anybody expect it?
1: No
3: so expect- <laughs> I did
0: not I was,
1: I'm gonna be honest did not expect it yeah, right. I was right away. I was like, oh.
0: So soon. Shit. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, that's why. That yeah. is exactly why. Yeah. I was not expecting it. All right. Well but, I
2: mean, yeah. I do think that like um, uh, Rowan referenced it, but we didn't really t- touch on it is the beast carrying Iceman with his ass cheeks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I I mean I'm not even angry. I'm actually impressed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is truly fantastic
2: i mean you know if i could do some grabbing like that with my butt i think that <laughs> i would at least have to try it once uh, you know
0: <laughs> at least he's got the meat to do it you know So why uh, are my
2: boots smelly <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh fantastic that's beautiful Um, so before we go out on final thoughts, I want to lay out some crimes of Xavier here.
1: Oh, this is great. (laughs) Can I, can I start with one? Yes, please. Page two. It's the very first actual page where we get action going on in the comic book. Two thirds of the page is all professor Xavier just talking, monologuing, and it's all just a refresher course. Like he's just monologuing to us and telling us what we already know. And it's the height of Professor X arrogance.
3: Right. The entire
1: page is words.
0: That's a good one. Uh in my book it still pales in comparison to all the other bullshit he's pulled on people, but it is one to note.
1: (laughs) But this one is specifically directed at me. Ah, good point. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. All right. Like he is he is he's assuming that I am ignorant. Yeah. And I don't like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As we know, you were not. Um, so I've got written down that Xavier still remains hidden as a mutant. Um, and, and, you know, I started thinking about that because I could make that a crime every single issue until he finally comes out. Is it is it important that he be outed, or is it important that he stay hidden? I mean, is it for a good reason? Is it helping the X-Men that he... Uh, doesn't tell people he's a mutant. Um, again, I see him putting teenagers in harm's way. I mean, he sends teenagers to the Arctic or the Antarctic, you know, uh, to find a caveman basically. And that was a good uh, issue, you know, it was a good issue, but but I mean, that's not that's not somebody would be mad that their kid got sent to the Antarctic, you know, to to meet a, a jungle guy, you know, jungle man, you know what I mean? Um, I and, think and I have
1: less of an issue with this than the rest of you guys do.
0: Okay. Okay.
3: Well, what um, is his next crime?
0: So the next crime is he mind controls the two drivers.
3: Yeah, just the mm, randos okay. that are passing on the road. By.
0: He's, you know, he needs help. He needs. And a ride. they
3: even say they even say that they feel controlled. It yeah. and it almost comes across like they're creeped out by it.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, they're not the only ones because later he mind controls the copter pilot and the police.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then he erases the images of the X-Men from their minds. Yep. Basically wiping yep. out thoughts and memories about the X-Men from their minds. Now I don't understand why he does that. He says it's because um you know he he doesn't want anybody finding out that he's connected to the X-Men.
3: Right. He says it's to limit their association right. with him. Right. But Why would there be an association with him? They happen to be there. They're supposedly superheroes, and they showed up to where there was a...
0: Oh, they're even on TV. Robots.
3: There's robots trying to take over the world. Oh, superheroes showed up. Big surprise. Right.
0: Those are this issue's crimes, Xavier's crimes. I think at some point he needs to go to trial.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you just mind-wiped the entire New York police force. Yeah. And...
1: (laughs) I don't disagree with you that at some point he needs to go to trial, but I don't really have an issue with him keeping his identity secret, considering mm-hmm. the rest of the X Men's identities are secret, and he doesn't true. he doesn't have an X Men identity. He only has his okay. Charles Xavier identity. But he's if if they're still keeping their identity secret, it makes sense that he would as well to me.
0: Okay, well then yeah, he's but- only going to be charged with four four counts this time and not five.
2: But he could have a secret X-Men identity. You well,
0: know? He could,
1: and he should. Well, but he
0: might. He we, we, our minds might have been erased already, and we just don't know
4: it. <laughs> he just,
0: He just doesn't fit in his GIMP suit anymore. That's the only reason. He doesn't fit in the GIMP suit. Yeah, thoughts on the issue? Uh, I'm, I'll just start and say I really like this issue a lot. I liked it better than the last issue, and I think it was a good way to end it. I... Knew that Bolivar Trask died because I read a lot about him over the years. I had never read this issue when I finally read it. I was like, oh, that's pretty awesome," you know. But it did make me empathize, sympathize with Bolivar Trask. I kind of want to know what a world with Bolivar Trask redeeming himself would look like,
4: mm-hmm. you know.
0: So
2: it could be fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe I need to write that shit down.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's a good what if, right? what if story you know unfortunately all the what if stories that came out in the 70s they put into the comics and in the in the 2000s and
0: (laughs) yeah they actually happen now
2: (laughs) yeah now now that now whenever they do what ifs it's like what if spider-man was the punisher yeah it's like yeah
1: what if nightcrawler was (laughs) spider-man yeah oh yeah it happened what if the Hulk was
0: spider-man that happened
1: yeah Yeah.
0: what if Wolverine had kids wait that happened
1: yeah
2: Wolverine had kids with everybody
1: everybody what if wolverine was a homemaker
3: <laughs> he'd be cute in an apron
1: yeah he, well i've seen i've
0: got pictures if you want to see them um <laughs> the one i really want is aunt may herald of galactus um so yeah those are my
1: Ooh, thoughts. that would be awesome those are my thoughts what about you guys
2: um uh, again great plot if he if he script um but yeah, no, this one was better than the last one for sure. I absolutely agree with that. I think that that the the second issue of the trilogy was a big dip. And yeah. it was it was I didn't have a lot. Maybe that it lowered my expectations for this one. I don't know. But yeah, it was okay. mm-hmm.
1: great. I enjoyed well, it. I enjoyed yeah. this this one. Um there were some like the crystal, for instance, hated that did not like that but it didn't take away from the overall story for me so the overall issue i did enjoy and i thought it was a very good closing to the the arc the three issue arc yeah and
0: really
3: yeah no i i i liked it though i do have uh in my notes i have mind control again grumpy face and um (laughs) so i agree with the crimes of xavier if if, you know there being a category for that
0: Alright, well, that would wrap that would wrap this episode. Um, I thank you guys for giving your thoughts on the two issues that we read and having a blast reading them. Um, And uh, I I guess we could see you next episode when we cover issues number 17 and 18.
2: Yeah. Sounds good. Alright,
1: see ya.